Thank you for joining us on the Rose Church Podcast, recorded live every week at the Bossa Nova Ballroom in downtown Portland. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit rosechurch.org or follow us on social media at Rose Church PDX. This morning, let's go to the, to the Bible. Uh, we're going to go to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you don't know where that's at, it's uh, right after 1 Samuel. Church jokes, people, come on. Just thank you for the fake laugh, Fred. I felt that it was fake, but I enjoy your participation, okay? Thank you. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read, honestly, one of my most favorite stories in the entire Bible. Uh, it's about a man who has an incredibly hard name to pronounce, and which we'll talk about. And then it has to do with King David, but really I believe uh, it's the gospel being preached even before Jesus was living. Uh, because whether you understand this or not, every chapter, every verse, everything from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. If you want to get more out of the Bible, I'll just give you this. Think about Jesus wherever you're reading it. Genesis, Leviticus, God help you. Uh, the rest of the Bible, wherever you are reading, it's about Jesus. And this morning, we're going to read a, a passage that Jesus is not in, but it's foreshadowing what he's going to do for you and I. And this morning, it's what we're celebrating for Easter weekend. And so 2 Samuel chapter 9, if you don't have a Bible this morning, don't worry about it. It's going to be on the screens right in front of you. You can read along, and then I'm going to read from a little prompter down here. It says this, 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says, One day, David, who is the king at this point, is the king of Israel, David asked, Is anyone... In Saul's family, who Saul was the previous king before him, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan is Saul's son, David's best friend. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. And he says, are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. Ziba replied, the king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zabra replied, yes, actually there is. One of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he's crippled. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar, son of Emil. So David sent for him. Brought him from Makar's home. His name was Mephibosheth. After service today, you should just text your mom and go, thank you for not naming me Mephibosheth. <laughs> that's, that's a name. Mephibosheth. And he called to him and he went to the ground in deep respect. And David said to him, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied back to the king and said, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. For I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. For I will give you all of the property that once belonged to you and to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here, key phrase this morning, and you will eat with me here at the king's table. Let's keep going. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you would show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. 
You and your sons and servants are now to farm the land for him and produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, hear this, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, so there's a lot of people that are now working for Mephibosheth. This is where we'll land today, important two sentences here. And Ziba replied, yes, Lord, yes, my Lord, the king, I will, I will do this, for I am your servant, and I will do all that you've commanded me to do. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table. Favorite sentence this morning. He ate there like one of the king's own sons. He ate the king's table like one of his sons. This morning, we're going to talk around the theme, seated at the table. Seated at the table. Let's pray as we dive into these few verses this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything that you are wanting to do this morning. Everything you want to speak to people, God, whether it's their first time in church or their hundredth time in church, God, or maybe they've been away for a while, Jesus, we, God, we love you this morning. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would be here with us this morning, God, and we, we pray that this word, God, these verses would, would hit his home, God, in our heart. It would speak something on the inside of us, Father. We, we love you so much. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Told you that jacket was coming off. I got to the prayer, though. I got to the prayer. Um, anybody have an awkward friend? Anybody, you are the awkward friend. Even how you responded to my awkward question, you were awkward in your response. Um, I apparently am becoming this awkward friend. I've never really been awkward my whole life, but I guess I turned 30 and now my 30s are gonna be awkward apparently. Um, a few weeks ago, um, we had something at our, at our apartment complex called Welcome Lunch, which we'll be doing here in a few weeks, and if you've never done it, you should do it. Uh, we did this thing called Welcome Lunch, and, and, and she's here today, but I won't, I won't say her name. Um, she, she starts walking down the street and, and coming into the Welcome Lunch, and I'm showing her where to park and where to go, and, and, and I'm wearing like a short sleeve shirt, and I'm, you know, at the umbrella, you know, outside greeting people, serving people, you know. Someone has to do it, okay? So I'm out there serving the Lord in the rain, and, and she goes, she's walking down and she goes up, aren't you cold? And I was, but I didn't want to admit it, but I didn't know what to say back. So I pause and go, nah, I have a lot of hair. <laughs> and, and the most awkward part was she was still about 20 yards away. So I had like wait the next like 18 seconds of her like walking toward me, but we didn't talk again after that. She just walked, she just walked right by because what else is there to say? Nah, I have a lot of hair. Don't you worry about it. I'm warm. Like uh, who, who says that stuff? I do not know. Um, but have you ever been invited to a party that you uh, now showed up at and you realized you were never invited? Anybody ever had this? Well, I was uh, 17 years old and and I'm in, Hill, uh, in Australia. My dad is speaking at a church called Hillsong Conference, and there's probably 25,000 people there. And at the end of the, the sermon, uh, Pastor Brian, who leads Hillsong, goes, hey, would you like to come to a dinner with a small group of us after service? My dad's like, sure, well, can I bring my son? Because it's just me and my dad. He's like, yeah, absolutely. So we start going to this back room, and, and I want to go to the bathroom. And my dad's like, oh, we're in, this, we're in this room right over here. So after the bathroom, come, come down the hall. That's just fine. So I come down the hall after going to the bathroom. And the last one in. I open the door to go into this office. 
And there's a small little round table, little, little table, with um, Brian Houston, Joyce Meyer, Rick Warren, Martin Smith, the lead singer of Delirious, my dad, and me. <laughs> all these guys and the, you know, Joyce Meyer are all sitting there. One seat left, and I just walk in, and the minute I open this door, what comes to my mind is I don't belong here. Like, I don't know why I'm invited to this. I don't think my dad knew that I wasn't supposed to be here. Uh, but let's, let, let's see how this goes. So I sit down. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's Brian Houston, my dad, and then me and Joyce Meyer. I'm between Joyce Meyer and Brian Houston. And some of you are like, who are these people? I don't care. Let me put it in. Okay, if you like basketball, it's uh, LeBron James, Kobe, Steph, and Michael Jordan, and you. <laughs> Okay, fine, you don't like basketball, fine. You like money, great. It's Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, and you're a volunteer Office Max, okay? That, that's essentially what's going on. And, and if those things, you're like, oh, I'm a skateboarder. Well, it's Tony Hawk, that's all I got, okay? Someone else, I don't know, I've been a skateboarder my whole life. Played that game in the 90s though, it was amazing. Um, but I don't know, whoever you think is like just, Big people so far above you and you. And so I don't know what to do, so I, I start asking like stupid questions. I'm like, hey Brian, how do you feel conference is going? And my dad's like looking at me like, I will kill you <laughs> if you keep asking. I, was, I, I, I don't know what to do, I'm like 17 years old. And, you know, like Martin Smith is across, and I was like, hey, history maker, what a song, huh? <laughs> He's like, yeah, thank you. He has an English accent, which I'm not gonna impersonate. Um, but I, I didn't know what to do. Why? Because I'm, I'm seated at a table that I don't belong to be at. I, I, I'm, at a, I'm at a chair that I, I could never earn. I'm at a table that I could never belong. And, and a while ago, I was, I was praying, and, and Julie was sleeping. Our kids were sleeping, which never happened, because um, they, they enjoy partying all night long. But they're all sleeping, and, and I'm up for some reason. I don't know why. I just, I'm just up, and this... This passage comes to my mind, which honestly, I've, I've never spoke on before. I've never heard a message on it before. Um, I knew that name Mephibosheth because it's a weird name, and it was kind of in my mind from being raised in church. And I just felt that, that the Holy Spirit said, to me, hey, well, go to that passage about Mephibosheth. And I had to find it. I didn't know where it was, so I had to go find 2 Samuel chapter 9 and, and find it. And I start reading this story, and I'm like, okay, cool, God. Like, King David was nice to a guy. Like, good for you, King David. Like, uh, Lord, why, why am I reading this passage? And I just felt the, the impressing of the Holy Spirit. And he, I just felt that he was saying, um, you're, you will forever be at a table you don't belong. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about? And this scenario came back to my mind. This story of me at 17 years old in Melbourne, Australia, comes to my mind. And I'm like, Lord, why are you reminding me of this story to me? He's like, because just how you felt as a 17-year-old that you were placed at a table you never belong. I have now placed you at a table you will never belong at. The story begins to speak to me and begins to show me so many things. And this morning, I really do believe that the same things that happened to Mephibosheth, Jesus wants to happen to you this morning. The same things that Mephibosheth got to experience, the same things that happened to him, I really believe this morning on Easter weekend that God is wanting to do the same things for you and in you. The first thing I want you to understand this morning about this story is that Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is looking for you. Now, this story is very, 
interesting, and if we don't understand the context of what's going on, we can easily just read over it and just go on our way uh, to the rest of our Bible reading or, or, or you version, whatever you're going. And, and we have to understand this morning that historically, when a, I know this is boring, but it's really, really important. When a new king would take over, they would attempt to, to kill all the other guys in the old kingdom's line because they were scared that if they took over a kingdom and there's still heirs from the other line, the other kingdom still alive, in years to come, they would try to come back and take over the kingdom. Saul was the king. Jonathan is his son, but Jonathan and Saul both die in the army. They both die in war. And then now David becomes king, but he's not a part of Saul's family. He's not in David's or Jonathan's line. He starts a whole new line in the kingdom of Israel. So this story about Mephibosheth, because he's the grandson of Saul, meaning he's the heir to the kingdom. He ran away. You can go back in a few, few chapters later, but he ran away, the Bible records, that when Jonathan and Saul died, the nurse grabbed him and fled away to a different city because she knew now that the king and his son is dead, now that David's the king, he's going to attempt to kill Mephibosheth because he doesn't want him to overthrow his, overthrow his reign. So could you imagine, now he's older in life. This is some 20 years later, that theologians believe. This is way later in life. Uh, Mephibosheth is a, is a grown man at this point. Could you imagine him opening the door to someone knocking it? Him opening the door and it being a king's guard. Right. It being a king's servant. The minute that door would have opened, he would have thought, I'm dead. Right. I've been running my whole life. Since I was a young boy, my father and my grandfather died. I've been running my entire life. Now the king found me. David's going to kill me because he thinks I'm going to try to take over one day. He thinks I'm against him. How many emotions, if you can process with me this morning, if you are Mephibosheth and you've been running from someone your entire life and they finally found you, how much fear would have sucked in Mephibosheth's heart? Worry. Fear. I'm dead. My future's gone. He finally found me. I've been running my entire life from this person, and he found me. Can I ask you a question this morning? Um, what is your response when the king knocks on your door? Because, by the way, the king is searching for you. He's been looking for you. The minute air fills your lungs as an infant, ever since you started breathing, he's been searching for you. He's been looking for you. He's been knocking on your door. And maybe the person you've been running from your entire life is knocking on your, on your door once again today. And what do you think is the king's response? What do you think the reason why the king is searching you out? I love where David says, Hey, hey, go and, from the very beginning, from the very first verse, go and find him, for I want to show kindness and grace. Right. 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 So why, King David, why, why do you want to go find Mephibosheth? Are you, are you, are you want to kill him? Do you think he's going to try to overthrow you? He's crippled. Why do you care? No, I want to go get somebody from a different air, from a different line, not, not to harm them, not to shame them, not to kill them, but I want to show them kindness right. and grace. Could I submit to you this morning, the reason why God has been chasing you is to show you grace and to show you kindness. From the very beginning of time, the king has been chasing you, not to shame you, not to remind you of what you've done, not to say who you aren't, not to say all these things about you. He's knocking on your door to say, I want to show you grace. I want to show you kindness. Why do you think 
God is chasing you down. It's to show you grace. It's to show you kindness. And and by the way, uh, the king knows where you are. I love how um, Mephibosheth thought he could hide, but he was still within the king's kingdom. He was just in another town. Hear me this morning. God knows where you are. You can't hide. You can't run because God's a stalker. (laughs) He knows where you are. He knows your location. And he's searching you out. He is chasing you down. But hear this. This This is so amazing. The king, King David, he doesn't come down. He sends a servant on his behalf. You know what we are celebrating today? When the king sent a servant to find us. 2018 years ago, the king of the universe named God put on flesh and sent his son as a servant to find you and I. And I'm thankful he didn't send an angel. He didn't have 30 sons and just sent one. He sent his only begotten son as a servant. Philippians 2 says that he came and lowered himself and acted upon a bond servant. We have been saved by a servant. He bowed down. Notice if you, if you do your history about uh, geographical stuff in this day and age, Jerusalem's on a hill, way high up. Lodabar is the very end of a valley. Isn't this amazing? The king bent down from his hill, down to the lowest valley, and sent a servant to go to Lodabar. Um, the name Lodabar, which obviously you know what it is because you know Greek <laughs> and Hebrew. Um, the name Lodabar, the, the word lo means no, and debar means fruitful. So the place that he was living in was a place of no fruit. Wow. A place of no fruit, a place of barrenness. Wow. And so hear this, the king leaves his fruitfulness and goes down to barrenness. To take someone who's living in barrenness to bring them to fruitfulness. Is this not the gospel? 2,000 years where God ever comes. That his goal is to send a servant down to a barren place. That we would no longer live in a barren place. That we would be elevated to a fruitful place. Can I tell you this morning, the reason why God is chasing you down is to take you from barrenness to fruitfulness. From a low place to a high place. And I don't mean in your money. I don't mean in a job. I mean from your soul being barren to your soul being fruitful. From relationships being barren to relationships being fruitful. God is coming to find you and he's bent down to Lodabar, which is a place of no fruit to bring you to a place of fruitfulness. And he sent a servant. Can we just, I, I love that I don't have a service next, so I can, I can say what I want to say this morning, because I, I just skipped through so much of my message this morning. Um, can we ask the question, how did he get crippled in the first place? Because most Bible, uh, the stories, they'll say they were crippled from birth. Then they'll tell us. If you go back, you can read it. Four chapters earlier in 2 Samuel chapter 4. I, I, I reference it. The Bible says when Saul and Jonathan died, his nurse picks him up as a boy, and she begins to run out of the kingdom. And as she's fleeing, she drops him down the stairs and he, and he breaks his legs. 
That's how he actually becomes crippled. He wasn't born that way. He didn't even ask for it. He was crippled because somebody dropped him. Can I submit to us that we can stop judging people off their crippledness as if they chose it? Because for some of us, we are crippled because someone dropped us. We are crippled because something happened to us at a young age. And now as an adult, we are battling something that happened to us that we didn't want, we didn't choose, we didn't know what to do. We're just trying to do our very best with what we were given. Which, by the way, Adam dropped us. (laughs) Yes, Zach. Don't get me preaching, Zach. Uh, In the garden... Adam dropped us. Eve dropped us. We are battling with something called sin that has separated us from God from birth, not just because of us, because the very first man and woman dropped us. But this is the amazing thing, that when when Adam ruined humanity by a tree, Jesus is saving humanity by a tree. So every way that man has ruined us, God is restoring us. And every way that we have been dropped, God is restoring us. So this morning, what we're celebrating is a God that came as a servant to find us as we were nowhere, as we were barren, as we were lost, and as we're crippled, and bringing us to a place of fruitfulness. And it was done by his servant. He knows where you are. And he's searching for you. You know what's crazy is um, the Bible does not say that Mephibosheth was looking for the king. You know what's amazing about God is when you are never looking for him, he's looking for you. Mephibosheth isn't even thinking about the king, but God's thinking, the king is thinking about him. When, When you aren't even thinking about God, he's thinking about you. When you aren't even pursuing God, he's pursuing you. Because that's our king. We'll continue on the story. The, the Bible says he, he opens the door. He, he sees a king's servant. They, they now bring him to the king. Right. He's now in the kingdom. He's in the king's room. He's in the inner court. And the Bible says he falls on the ground. And then the king says this interesting remark. Oh, don't be afraid. Obviously, Mephibosheth is visibly afraid. He's shaking. He's nervous because once again, he does not know what the king wants with him. So he's shaking in the king's presence. He's nervous in the king's presence. And the king says, well, don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. I brought you here to show you grace. Don't don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. I brought you here to show you kindness. And then this this is fascinating. He brings Ziba back. Um, hey, I want you to go farm the land for him. I want you to get your sons and your servants and go farm the land for him. Because he's going to be too busy at my table. He's not going to farm the land because he can't. So while he's at my table, I want you to farm for him. And, And he says this phrase, I want you to go give him what was his father's. 
You know what we're celebrating today? That what sin stole, the king is repaying. The Bible says that he, he now gets the land back that was rightfully his because of his father. Understand that when Jesus died on the cross, he is restoring to you what was stolen from you. I didn't know what's happened in your life, but if your purity was stolen, God can restore it. If your confidence was restored, God can, can, can restore it. If your, if your faith was stolen, God can restore it. Whatever has been taken from you, the king is now giving back to you. The king is now restoring to you what is rightfully yours. And then, thank you. And then, but, but hear me, he says, he's, he's, he's not going to farm because he's going to be at my table. The king's table was a place of intimacy. The king's table was a place of authority. Hear me, the king's table was a place of knowledge. At the king's table, they had talked about wars and things and happening. You were in the know in the king's table. Because if you sat at the king's table, you weren't a servant, you were his friend. You weren't just a random person at the table. If you were at the king's table, you're the king's friend. Can I submit to you this morning? The reason why God has brought you to his table is not that you would act like a servant. It's that you'd act like a friend. Because he wants to bring you into the know. But guys, can we, can we just process the story logically? Could you even imagine a guy that's crippled? The first time he came into the king's table. David had other kids. He, he had a son named Absalom, who would later try to take his throne. But Absalom, the Bible says, was one of the greatest warriors to ever live. So think about Mephibosheth coming to the table with Absalom sitting there. The Bible says David has a daughter named Tamar, who the Bible says she is without blemish from head to toe. She must have been pretty. <laughs> She's at the table. The Bible says that he has a son named Solomon, who wrote Proverbs and other books in the Bible, and he's all of wisdom and knowledge. Could you imagine him crippled, lost, coming to the table and seeing all of David's other siblings and him thinking, I don't belong here. I feel that Mephibosheth had the same moment I had at 17, that for his first time being invited to the king's table, he sat down and had to look around and have, had to have this thought, I don't belong to sit at this table. But you know what's fascinating is no one else at the table belonged to sit there either. Everyone at the table would have had a seat because of who their father was. Can I submit to you today that Easter is not about bunnies and candies and chocolate. It's about a king that sent a servant to find crippled people, to bring them to a table and place them at the seat they will never belong at. Could you imagine the, emo the emotions of Mephibosheth going, I, I can't do anything to earn my seat. You know what's amazing? That the Bible never says that Mephibosheth tried to repay the king. Hey, what can I do for my seat? 
Hey, I, I have to do something to earn to sit here. He just had to accept grace. Hear me. Grace is the unmerited, the unearned favor of God. I was reading a book last night, and he said this phrase, and it was so powerful. He says, no, grace is not only unmerited, it's unrepayable. If you attempt to repay the grace of God, it no longer becomes grace. It becomes a gift. Because you are repaying for something. You're trying to give something back. God's grace cannot be repaid. It is unmerited. It is unearned. And too many Christians are coming to seats and going, what can I do, God? Can I pay for my seat? Can I earn my seat? Can I serve more? Can I give more? Can I be a better person? Can I be holier? I'll attend church more. Nothing you will ever do will ever earn you a seat at that table. Nothing you will ever do will make you good enough for the table. You are there because of your father. You are there because of the king set a servant to pick you up and bring you and sit you and sit you at a seat at a table you never belong. Understand, understand this morning, there is a seat for you. My mom and dad were here the first service and uh, to say the least, my mom is a specific person <laughs> about details. And I have three siblings, uh, all sisters, no brothers, because God hates me. <laughs> and I'm the middle, so I have two older, me and a younger. So my upbringing was awesome. And in my old house, we had a big oak wood square table. And, and on Easter, Easter's and, and Christmas and my birthdays and whatnot, um, um, all of my my mom's seats would have name tags. Nicole, Bethany, Jessica, Andrew, mom, dad. And she would place them. We didn't get to choose where we sat. She'd place them by the siblings she wanted you to sit next to. But my, my two older sisters are, are years older than me, like three and six years older than me. So, th- so they were out of the house by the time I was in eighth grade. They, they were out of the house. And, and I remember like come like Easter and Christmas and these events, um, my mom would still put their name tag out. And I'd be like, Mom, like, Nicole's not coming to dinner tonight. She lives in Seattle. She's not coming. <laughs> Promise you. But she'd still have a, a seat with Nicole's name. Even though she knew she wasn't coming, it was still her seat. Hear me this morning. Even though you have been vacant from your seat for a while, it's still yours. There's still a name tag on your seat. Because, follow me, um, he's the, he, Mephibosheth is the king's grandson. So you know what that means? That he would have been at that table before. He would have played in that room before. He would have played in the king's table before. Could you imagine the emotions of Mephibosheth coming into the king's table for the first time and going, I remember that table. I remember when I was whole. I remember when I was a little boy, I could sit at that seat. Could you imagine the emotion of a man coming back to a seat that he's been void of for a while? Hear me this morning. If you've been gone for a while, there's still a seat for you. 
If you've been wandering around the kingdom, there's still a seat for you. And it has your name on it. It's been written. And if you have been wandering for a while, you've been running aimlessly, you've been running away from the king, he is still searching for you today. He's still knocking your door today. And the minute you respond, he's going to bring you back to a place that you once were. Mephibosheth gets sat on a table in a seat he doesn't deserve. Finally, this morning, I want to ask the question, how did he get there? He's crippled in both feet. We read it. The Bible says that he sent servants to carry him or to bring him to the kingdom. Could you imagine if David was like, hey, Mephibosheth, we have a place for you. Come on. Bring yourself. He would have had to say, I can't get there. I'm too crippled. I can't. I can't get to the kingdom, David. Thank you for the invite, but I can't. The king not only sent an invite, he sent a servant to carry him to the invitation. He knew Mephibosheth could never get there on his own. He knew he was too crippled. He knew his condition. So he went and sent servants to carry him to the table. Can I submit to you this morning, the only reason that you have a place is because a servant carried you. The only reason you can live holy is because a servant can carry you. The only reason you can live whole is because a servant carries you. Guys, this is the gospel that a king sent a servant to carry crippled people to a king's table and we couldn't get there on our own. We had to be carried. Where are you at this morning? Have you been running from God? Have you been trying to pay back for your seat? Are you scared? Are you ashamed of your crippledness or what's going on inside of you or around you and you feel like you don't fit? No, Jesus, what we're celebrating today on Easter is that 2018 years ago, a servant came to find some crippled people. He put them on their back. He said, don't worry about it. I'll carry you to the table. But Fibosheth, I know you can't get there on your own. I'll carry you. I'll get there. Don't worry about it. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is that sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But, there's some important buts in the Bible. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through not our doing, not through your name, but we get victory over sin and death because of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man become the sons of God. The cross is not Jesus just erasing your sin. 
He's given you the life you could never have. I love necklaces and crosses and all that. But we need to remember there is a tomb, not just a cross. The cross of God is canceling your sin. The tomb of God is giving you back the life you could never get in the first place. This is the perfect picture of the mercy and the grace of God. The cross is the mercy of God, not giving you what you deserve. And the tomb is the grace of God, giving you what you don't deserve. Because we can't, we can't get to the table unless he brings us. As the band joins me. Look at this last verse. First, or sorry, uh, Revelation chapter 1. Look at this amazing verse. I am, this is Jesus talking at the end times. He says, I am the living one. Hear this. I died. No, I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. This is amazing. This line right here. For I now hold the keys of death and the grave. No, I was dead. But look, I am now alive forever and ever. And I now hold the keys of hell and the grave. The devil is so poor, he doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Even the place he resides is not even his. Even the place that he tried to take over is not even his. Because God came down as a servant and took the keys of sin and death. And the things that were trying to lock you up and, and put you down and, and separate you from God, he took those keys. And now in him, we can now celebrate on Easter. But understand, Easter, I guess, one day a year. But for Christians, Easter is every day. The cross is every day. Salvation is every day. Grace is every day. Forgiveness is every day. The tomb is every day. This is our reality that God came down to find us and search for us and pick us up and go, hey, I know you can't get there. I'll carry you. I'll bring you to the king's table. Can we stand this morning? We're going to worship and we're going to celebrate this God and this king because your name is victory. Come on, you have victory today because of Jesus. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to the Rose Church Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. For more information and resources, please visit rosechurch.org or follow us on social media at Rose Church PDX.